Good morning, Annenbrook. Hey, it's so good to be with my uh, church family here this morning. Um, if you're a guest, I want to give you a warm welcome. If you're watching online, we're, we're also glad that you are tuned in. Uh, I was hoping just as a church, with everything going on in our community this morning, uh, maybe um, we could just uh, bow our heads and say a word, you know, a prayer together uh, that I'd like to lead us in. If, um, if you would, be willing to just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, uh, we are um, um, mourning at what we see uh, happening uh, in, 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 in our own neck of the woods and how close to home this is. Uh, God, we acknowledge that we, we need more of you. We need more of Jesus um, in, in our presence, in our community, in our country. And uh, so, Lord, right now, uh, as your people, we want to just gather and we just want to pray for peace. We just want to ask for, for supernatural peace. Uh, to come, uh, to, that you would breathe uh, down the streets of, of, of this place, of this community we live in, and, and uh, bring peace to the, to the hurt and, and, and to the fear and uh, to all that's going on right now, the tension that exists um, uh, right here at home. Um, God, we want to we just pray um, that you would bring healing to those who need healing right now. We know that this pain is very real for many, and uh, God, we just we want to see uh, healing and reconciliation. Lord, I just pray that we as a church would be unified through all of this. We don't have all the answers. I, I certainly don't know uh, how to fix <laughs> what's going on today, but you do, and we know that you are a God of wisdom and that you um, want to help, and you want to even use uh, your church to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So, God, we, we acknowledge we don't know always uh, what to do and how we should do it, but we know you will give us wisdom as uh, we we go. And, and so I'm going to just also pray, Lord, that you will help us to live out the mission you've given us to live out. That you will help us to see more lives changed uh, through the, the very good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that he can bring into our lives. We want to see more hearts changed in the world around us. So help us to fulfill the mission, uh, Lord, that you have given us. And, and God, as your people, we are going to pray this prayer unified, together, centered around uh, the name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, church. Uh, for joining me in that prayer. Um, actually, last week, Danielle and I, we were in uh, Florida, um, and uh, it was somewhat surreal when you turn on the TV and you see Brooklyn Center and even Brooklyn Park uh, up on the TV screen uh, with everything, you know, going on, making national uh, national news. So I was itching, honestly, to get back, to be with my church family during this, to be even with my community through, through all of this. Um, you know, what I've had to address this issue before, and I just want to continue to encourage us as a church to be in prayer. <laughs> I believe one of the blessings that comes to any community is when there is a church made up of praying people who are praying for their community and praying for peace. And so I'm going to encourage us to keep praying together and also praying individually uh, for the community around us and, and, and our country as well. But the other thing that I've always encouraged us to do is just to empathize. More than what we see happening on Twitter, what people are posting on, on Facebook. Friends, I'm encouraging us to be like Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus empathized with those who are hurting, those who are in, in, in pain. 
Um, and I want just, so just want to encourage you, be, be like Christ. I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we ought to be the greatest empathizers there are on planet Earth, mourning with those who mourn, grieving with those who are grieving right now. So right now, I'm grieving with Dante Wright and his family and those who have been touched through this situation. I'm going to grieve in understanding that there's deep things going on there, complex, complicated things going on there that I don't fully understand but I can listen, I can be quick to listen and slow to speak, and, and I can grieve with those who are sharing their story and their pain and their real fears with me. But at the same time, I'm going to empathize with police officers right now. This is a, this is a hard time to be a police officer in our cultural climate. And I, this is, I just, when I study the life of Jesus, he didn't pick sides. He didn't pick teams. He just grieved with those who were hurting, with those who were afraid, those who needed help. And that's what I believe as Christians we're called to do as well. Jesus didn't always make friends because people want us to pick teams. They want us to pick sides. I, I, I just see a mess. And I just want to be a listening ear to all who, who need help. And uh, that's why ultimately, friends, when I look at the problem in front of us, here's what I'm reminded of. Our world needs Jesus. We need Christ. Jesus is going to be the solution. That's why, what are we going to do? Because I have people, what are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do? We're going to keep doing what we've always done and pointing people to Jesus Christ who is the answer. I'm not saying, you know, legislation, laws, I'm not saying reform and those things won't help. But more than those things, helping changed hearts is what will make a difference. And so we're going to continue doing what we do as a church, pointing people to Christ and seeing lives changed one soul at a time during all this. I am reminded that more important than what comes out of the White House, more important than what comes out of Federal government, state government is what we're doing as a church. And I hope you're encouraged. I hope that you realize the significance of what you're a part of. God advancing his kingdom, changing lives through the local church. That's what you are a part of. We have a very important mission mission to accomplish. And I want to just challenge us to be a part of it. So it's very fitting right now, right, that we are in a series called Encountering Jesus. Because that's what our world needs. That's what our community needs. They, they need a Jesus encounter. That's what all of us in here need. I need to encounter Jesus each and every day. How about you? To stay on track, to keep my faith intact, I need to be encountering Jesus each and every day. So we're going to continue our series, Encountering Jesus. And today we're going to come to the story of Zacchaeus. The story of um, a man named Zacchaeus. And, 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 and before we look at the text, I just want to start by asking you a question. Has there ever been somebody that you were really desperate to meet? Somebody that you really wanted to meet? Maybe it was a celebrity, something like that, and you had an opportunity to meet that person, and there was nothing you wouldn't do to meet that person? You know, I was a, familiar with this church that I very much respected out in California, and I knew about all the pastors on staff at this church. Um, again, I respected this church, so I was very aware of their ministry. One day, I'm at the Mall of America, and I see one of the pastors from afar. I, at first, I wasn't sure it was him, but then I was like, that, that's got to be him. I was with Danielle. I was with a couple of friends. 
And I just took off. I didn't even tell him why. I just started running. I was on the second floor. He was on the first floor quite a bit away from me. And I just took off. They had to run down an escalator. He had already turned a corner. By the time I got around that corner, uh, I, I lost him. I was like, oh, man, I, I lost him. But then I saw him on the very end of the mall. So I start running. <laughs> catch up with this guy. And I, I, I finally catch up to him. I'm like, <laughs> hi, my name is Brent. And uh, I just thought I would uh, introduce myself to you. And, uh, and he was like, oh, nice to meet you. And I'm like, can you just give me one second? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so I am uh, familiar with uh, your ministry and your church. But here's the thing. He was not all that excited to meet me. It did not go how I had pictured in my head. And so it kind of became one of those, well, big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. <laughs> and then I ended up just walking off. And I don't know if you've ever met someone maybe you really wanted to, to meet and it didn't go the way that you thought it would. Well, as we get into the story of Zacchaeus today, it kind of raises that question. Zacchaeus really wants to meet Jesus, but the question is going to be, does Jesus really want to meet this Zacchaeus? And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at Luke 19. Uh, verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And so we got to just pause right here. Uh, this is telling us something very important. So Zacchaeus is a tax collector, which means he is considered by his neighbors, the community in which he lives, to be the scum of the earth. He is probably regarded worse than any murderer that might live in the community. And, and to understand that and appreciate this, we got to back up a little bit. So in the year 63 BC, so that's 63 years before Christ was born, Rome, the Roman Empire came through and conquered Israel, sacked Israel, making Israel basically slaves of the Roman Empire. And the way that Rome worked was they allowed quite a bit of autonomy, freedom to those nations that they conquered. They knew if they pushed too much, there would be an uprising and it would be a constant headache for the Roman Empire. So still let them practice, you know, their religious rituals and things like that. Still let them have much of their cultural norms. But one of the things they did that was highly oppressive was they taxed the nations that they had conquered. And they taxed them to a great extent, okay? And they did this for a couple reasons. One, it was to keep those nations from, from being able to build weapons and to raise up an army that could potentially become a threat to the Roman Empire. But they also did it to pour money into Rome that they could then use to further the expansion of their empire, Right? and to bring more and more comfort to the Roman citizens. Not the people that they had conquered, but to Roman citizens. But in order to collect that money, those taxes, they had to have tax collectors. And so they would look at people who lived in those nations and find people who were willing to betray their fellow neighbor to go and collect those taxes and give it to to Rome, okay? 
Um, so this is not just a betrayal of one's neighbors. This is not just a betrayal of a nation, the nation you live in. Understand, this is the betrayal of God if you're an Israelite. You have betrayed God by serving the one who has, is oppressing God's people. But it's even worse than that, okay? Because what Rome would do is they would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm using like these numbers as an example. I don't know for sure what they would ask, but they might say, you've got to give me 50% of your, of your income. And so Zacchaeus would go to his neighbor's house, come to your home, if you're an Israelite, and say, you owe me 60% of your income. With two Roman guards standing behind him, and so on the authority of Rome, you're either going to give me 60% or you're going to prison. And then what Zacchaeus would do is he would give the 50% that Rome had asked for back to Rome and keep the 10%. And that is how he amassed great wealth for himself. Not only had he betrayed his fellow man to Rome, he was also using his neighbor and the authority of Rome as a tax collector to make wealth for himself. And he's not just a tax collector, friends. He's the, he's the, he's the chief tax collector. He's worked his way up by doing this. So, so you see what I mean? This is a man who is considered and regarded the worst of the worst. He's, he's the scum of the earth if you are an Israelite. But it raises the question, I mean, why would somebody be willing to betray their nation, God, like that? Zacchaeus is a Jew. He grew up hearing the stories of God parting the Red Sea and bringing Israel into the promised land. He grew up hearing stories about David slaying giants and what God had done. What would cause him to betray his nation and to betray his God? Because at some point, I have to think, Zacchaeus looked around him and he saw the hopelessness of his situation and he wondered, where is God? It looks to me like God has left the building. So I might as well get all that I can in this life while I can get it. He had lost hope and he had lost faith. But even though he had amassed great wealth for himself, something is still missing in Zacchaeus' life. It didn't scratch the itch Zacchaeus thought it would scratch. How do we know that? Because Zacchaeus is going to hear about this Jesus who has come to his town, and he is going to be desperate, wondering, could this Jesus be the answer I've been looking for? In verse 3, we read, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, some of you grew up singing a song about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. Anybody grow up singing that song? <laughs> and a wee little man was he? I got to think Zacchaeus is in heaven right now. Not crazy about that song. It says he was short, not that he was a wee little man. 
Okay, but that's how many of you know of this story of Zacchaeus, my wife. She knows of this story through that song. He climbed the sycamore tree, right? But here's what's significant about this. In the first century, in Jesus' day, a wealthy man would not even be caught running because they wore robes at this time, and if you ran, someone might see your legs, even your shins, and that was considered very undignified someone to see your legs. More than just run, Zacchaeus is going to climb a tree to get a glimpse of this Jesus. Now, I don't know a lot about undergarments in the first century, but I got to think it wasn't a great vantage point for those who were underneath Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus doesn't care. He is willing to climb this tree to get a better vantage point of this Jesus, the one he has heard about going throughout the land, healing people, casting out demons, and talking about a kingdom that he was going to usher in that would bring salvation. Zacchaeus, in other words, is desperate. Desperate. It's uh, injustice to the text to say he wanted to see Jesus. The literal Greek is he was seeking to see this Jesus. He is desperate to see who this Jesus Christ is. Verse 5 says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And so now we see this progression. Jesus has come to Jericho. He's come to his town. He's now come to Zacchaeus' tree. And now he has invited himself into Zacchaeus' home, something that would be considered very uh, culturally, uh, you know, a taboo to invite yourself in. She's like, I'm coming in to your home today. Okay? But we got to even back up a little bit there. Before Jesus ever came to Jericho, Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to leave heaven to come to earth to seek out people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, I'm coming into your home today. (laughs) I'm inviting myself into your life. Now, of course, uh, people around Zacchaeus are not going to understand this. Um, We read in verse 7, it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Okay, and actually the word mutter there, another word that does this story injustice, the literal Greek there is they grumbled. It means they grumbled or they complained. They are bitter about this. They are bitter that of all the people, Jesus beelines it for the worst of the worst and invites himself into this person's, into this person's home. The, the world does not understand the love of God. Maybe some of us in here today still struggle to really believe that God is who he says he is and that God is the God of love he claims to be. Jesus knows everything about Zacchaeus. He knows his name. He knows where he lives. He knows he's the chief tax collector. He knows the evil he's done. He knows his struggles. He knows what it was that caused him to give up his hope and his faith and his nation and his God knows everything going on in this man's life, and he still loves him deeply. Zacchaeus, I am coming into your home. 1 John 4.16 says, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Notice that we rely on this God, this love. 
that God has for us, if we're believers. Then it says, God is love. Who is your God? He is a loving, gracious God. That's who he is. It's his character. And there's nothing that I'm going to do, there's nothing you're going to do that will ever change the character of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and will be the same tomorrow. It's who he is. We might not be like that. Most of us aren't this gracious. But that's who God is. And we have to accept that and receive that because some of us are sitting out there today struggling so bad that could God love a sinner like me? And yet this God comes down to earth, goes to Jericho, and who does he go to? Of all people he could have gone to, he goes to Zacchaeus, the worst of the worst. I'm coming into your home today, Zacchaeus. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read, it says God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Which means before we ever took a step toward God, God was coming to us. He was running to us to, to do what was necessary, to be a sacrifice that would take our sin upon himself and bury that sin and have that sin killed through the cross and the curse be paid there and all the bad that's associated with sin done and, 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 and crucified and laid to rest in a tomb. Why? So that you and I could be set free and could be saved in have a relationship with, with, with this God. Before we ever took a step towards God, God was already doing everything necessary to make a way for us. He was running to us. That's how loving he is. Uh, many years ago, Danielle and I were uh, with our kids, Logan and Michaela. I think they were like three or four at the time. Uh, if anyone remembers Macy's downtown before it went out of business, they used to do this Christmas thing every year, like on the top floor, and you could go, and they had all this. So we would take our kids every year. Well, one year, we took them there. Uh, it, if, 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 if you've ever been there, you know how busy and how big that Macy's was. I mean, it was huge. It got super crowded. And at one point, we looked down, and our kids are missing. And you can only imagine in this crowded downtown store made up of many floors, hundreds if not thousands of people around us. It, it, was, it was terrifying. And the panic set in. We started talking to people. We were trying to get them to make announcements over the speakers. Um, uh, fortunately, uh, I had some presence of mind. I remember there was this, this, this store that was inside the Macy's. They had a store that was actually inside the Macy's store that you went into, you walked into. And I remember they sold candy there. And I thought, if I know my kids, if there's anywhere you're going to find, it's probably going to be where the candy is. And so we just, maybe, maybe, maybe. So we, we, we walked in there, and sure enough, there they were, scared and all alone. And friends, the hug and embrace they received that day. I'm, I, I'm thinking they probably still need some chiropractic work because of that hug that they received. Because we were so glad to have found our kids who were lost. And do you realize that's who our God is? He comes for the lost. He seeks the lost. He loves the lost. And he loves people like Zacchaeus. And he loves people like you and me. That, that's the love 
of God. And I, I don't know what this conversation was that happened at Zacchaeus' home. We're not privy to that conversation. I wish I knew. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. But it does tell us what happens as a result of that conversation. We read this in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Here we see a man after sitting down with Jesus who is now willing to part with his wealth. This man who was willing to do whatever dirty thing he needed to do to amass this wealth, now he's willing to part ways with it, potentially become poor, And the question for us is why? What happened that would cause this man to be willing to part with the shameful things he had done to receive this, this wealth? Well, here's what I believe it comes down to. After meeting with Jesus, he realized Jesus is better than the world. A relationship with Jesus is better than anything the world can offer me. Better than anything my wealth can provide for me. And he was willing to give it up. And just with the short amount of time we, we have left, this, this is what I want to talk about. I want to remind us of a few of these things. So that why? Why is Jesus so good? Why is he better than the world? It's to the point where a man would be willing to give up the world and give up his wealth to have Jesus in, in his life. Well, let me just remind us of five things, and I promise we'll go through these quickly. But first, Jesus is better, okay, because he blesses our soul. This is something the world can't do for you. This is something your wealth can't do for you. Jesus can bless your soul. He can give you true joy, something the world can't give you. He can give you true peace, something our community and the nation that we live in desperately needs. Jesus can give us honor. Jesus can bring healing. By his wounds, we are healed. These are blessings that come through Jesus. And Jesus alone, Jesus says this elsewhere in Matthew, he says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? He's saying, what good is it if you gain the whole world, all the wealth in the world, but you are miserable? Constantly realizing something is missing in your life. Trust me, I'm a pastor, I've had enough conversations, people who have plenty of money, but are miserable. And I will say this because I wouldn't be giving God the glory that he is due. God has not just blessed me through Christ um, spiritually. He, he, he's been good to me materially as well. He's provided for me and my family sometimes in miraculous ways. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm uber rich here, okay? I'm still driving a Kia Spectra, friends. Let's calm down a little bit. But has he taken care of me and has he provided for my family in amazing ways over the years? Yes, he has. He has blessed me holistically. And I want that blessing for you. God can, through Christ, bless our lives in a very holistic, holistic way. We want that. Second reason Jesus is better in the world is because he gives us purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared 
in advance for us to do. Do you realize that God has good works for each one of you to do in this world? Things prepared for you to do. That if you will do them, will enliven and enrich your soul in a way the world and the way material money cannot. He has something for you to do. He has things. He, he wants you to serve and to love and to help other people that will enrich your soul if you will do it. You know, a quick story. Um, this was many years ago. It was the first time Danielle and I really got involved at the church we were, we were a part of, and we, so we wanted to volunteer. I was in seminary at the time, and I thought, man, I would really like to teach a class or something like that. So I went to them. Hey, do you guys have anything I can do to teach or I said, we don't really have anything for you to teach right now, but we do need somebody to scrub toilets. And maybe it was a little hit to my ego. Maybe it was. But Danielle and I thought about it, prayed about it. We're like, yeah, we'll do it. And so we signed up, and that Sunday, we grabbed our little cleaning kits and waited for people to clear out. And I'd probably be lying because I didn't look around, going, look at these monsters. <laughs> you can only imagine what they're going to do to these bathrooms. And we grabbed our little our little cleaning kit, and we went into those bathrooms and scrubbed those toilets down to the glory of God. And let me tell you, we left that day with a spiritual high. Now, some of that might have been the cleaning products, okay? I'll just, these were industrial grade, okay? But we were filled with such joy, such wealth. Why? Because we scrubbed toilets for Jesus. It's almost like in the Christian faith, the more degrading you get, the better it is. And I mean degrading, considering what culture might consider. There is just, there, God has good things in store for us. If we all humble ourselves, we will do these things. Man, it just, ah, oh God, I did it for you. And some of you have never tasted that. And I'm telling you, if you would step up and maybe partner with the, instant, the greatest institution in the world, that you're, get your hands dirty, start doing things, however God has wired you and what he's calling you to do, you just might experience something that might surprise you. A joy and a spiritual wealth that we only receive through Christ. Okay? Jesus is better, third, because he walks with us. You're never alone if you're in Christ. And that's really good news. You're never alone. I just talked to a young woman a few weeks back. She said, I have panic attacks. And sometimes I'm on the ground and I'm paralyzed and I can't, I, I don't know what triggers it. I just find myself, my mind is spinning and I just want it to end. I'm just praying that it will end. But she said, even when I'm in those panic attacks and I'm paralyzed there on the floor, she said, I can sense Jesus with me telling me it's all going to be okay. What a blessing it is to have Jesus in your life comforting you when you are at your worst and you need some comfort. Giving you encouragement when you are discouraged and you need encouragement. Giving you wisdom when you need wisdom. If you have Christ, you are never alone. Jesus is with us. Psalm 23, 4, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, it's good news. We have a friend in Christ. Okay, four, Jesus is better because he gives us a place to belong. He gives us a spiritual family to belong to. In fact, uh, as we continue the story of Zacchaeus in verse 9, it says, Jesus said to him, 
Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What is he saying? Zacchaeus, you, you are a part of the family. You're a son of Abraham. You're a part of the family. Do you realize that that's who we are in Christ? We are spiritual brothers and sisters. Friends, that's a deeper bond than you even have with your biological family. This is built on the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and me. We are connected. We are a spiritual family. And maybe the world doesn't, you know, you, you don't always find yourself connecting with people in the world. And maybe it's really hard to make friends out there. Well, listen, as long as you are, if you are finding yourself in Jesus, you have a place to belong. A spiritual family that you are a part of. Someone just this past week said, I'm joining a small group. Every time I hear that, I rejoice. Because that's someone getting more deeply connected and the community around them. Maybe that's something you, uh, maybe your family need to consider doing this year. But he gives us a family, spiritual family to be a part of. And then last, he gives us eternal life. Jesus is better because only he can give us eternal life. Jesus said this in John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So you get eternity with God once the inevitable comes. Friends, does that sound like a pretty good deal? Let me see. So I get God's blessing on my life. I get a purpose for my life. He walks with me. He gives me a place to belong in a spiritual family, and I get eternal life. That sounds like a pretty good deal. And I don't know about you, but I want it. <laughs> and if you don't want it, I'll take it. This sounds like a pretty good deal. And maybe some of you are here today and you've realized something in your life is missing. Maybe you even grew up in the church. You're like, I'm not experiencing those things. I haven't experienced God in this way. What do I do? Here's my challenge to you. Climb your tree. Zacchaeus was willing to do something very undignified. He was willing to do whatever it took to seek out this Jesus and find him. Some of you came to church today wondering if this Jesus could be the answer. And maybe for you that was undignified because there's people in your life who would judge you for that. Every week we challenge you to come forward for prayer and receive prayer. Maybe some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to actually stop caring what people might say or think or how it might look and just come forward and receive prayer. Hey, well, people might think there's something off in my life. Welcome to the club. That's like a sick person, like in the hospital. So, and I hope nobody thinks I'm sick around here. Maybe you need to be a little undignified and come forward for prayer. Hey, we're going to get an opportunity to worship this God. And I'm going to challenge you in the way God has wired you, however He's wired you, and whatever's appropriate, you know, and, and is it for you and, 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 and you're connecting with God. But maybe stretch you a little bit to even get a little undignified and saying, I'm going to seek him out in my worship. I'm going to seek him with all of my heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart, friends. Maybe today's the day that some of you lay your dignity aside and say, I'm doing whatever it takes. I will climb that tree to meet with Jesus. Friends, he will honor that in your life. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you to stand up right now. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to get after it, and <laughs> we're going to worship together. You please stand.
And I'll lead us in a, in a prayer here. Jesus, we need you. We want you. We call upon your name. Meet us in this place. Let us not be casual Christians who wonder why we're not experiencing all that you want for our life. Whether we have a little faith this morning or whether we have a lot of faith this morning, it doesn't matter. Let us use the faith that you have given us to call out to you. Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. (laughs) Have more of you, Christ, in my heart. And so Jesus, meet us in this place. Honor us as we worship you and seek you out and want your blessing upon us. And may you bless this church richly with your presence. That's ultimately what we want. Meet us here today. We ask this in your name. Amen.